0: Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help us out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon Podcast. It's Jennifer Silliman. I'm here today with my friend, Nadia, who was actually in our documentary film, and I don't think that we've probably touched base since then. Really? So yeah, I'm so excited I mean, <laughs> to have you. Yeah, this is so great. So welcome to the show. I know this is your first podcast, so that's so exciting. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have you just start wherever you feel comfortable starting with your own birth story.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, I've told this story a, a million times, but um, you know, I always, every time I tell it, it feels a little different or I, you know, I added a detail that I hadn't remembered before, but, um, so what the, the, the child that I affectionately call my PPD baby is now she'll turn 11 next week.
0: Wow. Um,
1: so yeah, this, this all started, my journey started quite a long time ago, but, um, I didn't really have any, um, health problems while I was pregnant, didn't have trouble conceiving. It was a uh, you know, on paper, a textbook, um pregnancy and um and even, you know, I didn't really have any expectations about birth. I didn't my birthing plan was to do whatever my OB told me to do. It was not um, you know, I, I didn't have my heart set on one way or the other. Um, but I I was, I think, abnormally obsessed with labor and delivery and like what it would be like and would it hurt and would it there be complications and um, I kind of obsessed over it I see that now in hindsight Mm -hmm. Uh, and I hadn't given one second of thought to what happens after the baby comes so um, I think it then just hit me especially hard I had a super easy birth baby came they handed this thing to me (laughs) this bundle and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> I changed my mind. I don't want to do this. I remember looking at my husband and trying to like talk to him with my eyes, like I'm, I'm not okay, this isn't okay. Something is not feeling right right now. Um, and so there were a few things I think that didn't help. Um, I did not find out the gender of the baby. And in hindsight, I now see that that was for me a huge mistake um, just because of the way my brain works and um, you know knowing what I know now about th- that I have diagnosed OCD and it's definitely um, the more information I have the better to prepare <laughs> and um, this, this thing in this blanket that they handed me was a complete stranger so it was not some not an idea that I had been able to warm up to and imagine you know um, so that was kind of a shock. Um, and I, I think that there's this myth of euphoria and you know instant love and uh, that I, I, I hadn't really thought much about but apparently it got ingrained in me more than I realized. So um, yeah, so almost immediately, I mean m- maybe seconds or a minute after they handed me this baby. I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> this isn't for me. I'm, I, I take it back. I want to, so I, I panicked and that's the only word I can use. I, I, I panicked. Um, but I didn't say any of that out loud. Right. Of course. So that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say about your own child. You're supposed to be so happy. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was all kind of a blur. Um, breastfeeding did not go well, but, you know, I kept trying, um, healed fine, went home. It continued to just be a struggle. I mean, just, I, I cried every single day for so long. And I would, I would cry, I would call someone and cry, you know, my aunt and cry. And then I would, about how hard it was then I would call somebody else, but they didn't know I had just called the other person. And so nobody really realized how bad I was, right? Because I was just sort of touching as many people as I could. Um, and my husband was going to work and, it, you know, he was great, it, he, but he, one of the um, things that helped everything go a little more undetected longer than usual is that my baby was colicky, which in itself is not a serious problem. Um, but it, it, it definitely made it so much worse. you know I, and now again, in hindsight, I see like mothers are biologically programmed to respond to that cry, right? And then when you're crying for no reason, <laughs> right. and it just keeps going, um, it, it turns into in my mind a statement about me and what kind of mother I am. and um, I was sure something was wrong. I went to the pediatrician so often that, she eventually sort of said to me, "There, there is no more medical advice I can give you. There is nothing medically wrong with this child." Um, I have since, interestingly, befriended my pediatrician and asked her, "Did didn't you know that I was crazy? Like, why didn't you say something?" And she said, "Oh, I knew. I I, I wrote down in my notes, and she shows me the file. It says right here, mother is extremely anxious, like." She's like, but I just didn't know what to tell you. You're not my patient. I didn't know where to send you. So, which I will um, happily report that they, that office now screens for PPD um, at, at Well Baby Visits. And it's great. They send them to Postpartum Support International. But, um, but you know, at the time, what 11 years ago, it was, uh, it was it wasn't that she didn't believe in, you know, maternal mental health. She saw it she just didn't know what to say. She didn't know what, what to do with me. <laughs> so, but luckily we, she, she's great and we're friends now and she really listened and it was, it was pretty awesome um, to kind of bring that whole office full circle. Yeah. But um, so eventually, I mean, I just kind of chalked it up to this is my life now. Um, I'm miserable. Definitely had some suicidal ideation, some running away, some just, it. it I. I didn't always have a plan exactly, but I knew that like I had a fleeing instinct big time, and whether that meant that I ran my car into a tree or I just moved away and assumed an alias. Right. <laughs> it it Disappeared. was it all seemed attractive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just definitely felt like I was failing as a mother and not, this was, it never occurred to me that something was wrong with me. Um, I, and I come from a family of, we believe in mental health. I mean, my, my family has a history of, th- I've been in therapy just based on, you know, other things going on in my family as a child. So it's not like I don't have the exposure even. It's just, I don't think anyone had ever said the words to me postpartum depression, because then it would have clicked a little maybe, <laughs> but it wasn't um, even discussed with my OB at all, um, and even you know, even if the pediatrician had had some little pamphlet like here, read this. I get, there probably was something in the many, many pages of discharge paperwork from the hospital, but I think that was the extent of it. So um, I'm in Washington D.C., so we get four months of, of FMLA leave. I go back to work at four months. So here I am, the worst mother in the world for four months, crying every day. Um, and I come sit down at my desk. I work in HR. I, I hire and fire people on a regular basis. I do not have problems making decisions. And I just could not function. I could like, I if someone would have asked me which pen to use, I, I would have burst into tears. I did not have my brain <laughs> anymore. It mm-hmm. didn't belong to me. So um, I actually, walked into my boss's office and told her that I think it's better if I quit. Um, not because I miss my baby, but just because I'm, I can't, I'm overwhelmed, I can't deal with any of this. Um, and at that point, I, I was lucky enough to have someone who said, okay, I don't care what you say, something is wrong with you, go back to your doctor, and fix this. Like, I do not accept your resignation. Right. So, um, I did. I actually left my office, walked straight to my OB, and you know, the nurses there and they just took my blood pressure. What brings you in today? And I just start crying. I'm like, This is why I'm here. Had no idea. What? I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I didn't know that any of the things I was going through weren't really normal. Because it it seems to make well, your baby's crying, so of course you're crying, and um, you know, well, you have a new baby, so of course you're not sleeping. Right, <laughs> but of things you're tired, that, right? Right. Um, things that I now see are just, I mean, it was it was so such a terrible experience that that it didn't have to be. They were so preventable. But, um, so that began my journey. Four months after birth is really when it all started to get a little tiny bit better i think even just saying it out loud i felt like uh, you know it wasn't a conscious thought but just something like okay maybe 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 it's not me <laughs> maybe it's um something else and it was a long road i mean this this the us healthcare system leaves a lot to be desired so and again, I work in HR. So I am the administrator for my health insurance. Like I know the language and it was not easy. And I can't, I mean, I ended up getting a referral from a friend for someone who, because I was a, a referral from a friend made an opening for me. Right. But I, I just, it, I, even now I'm baffled that it, it's such a Herculean feat to just get help. But um yeah, I got, I got real lucky, and the, the therapist that I wound up with is amazing. And also, coincidentally, she had a private practice in the evening, um, but she works at NIH at the maternal mental health study <laughs> that they've been doing, and it was just incredible to be able to – you know, she knew so much about – What I was experiencing, without me even telling her, Um, so it it wasn't a journey of someone who's inexperienced with this topic, kind of navigating it together. She was like, "Okay, I can, I can break this all down for you." So, from there, it was just building on myself, right, in my own journey. But um, and I enlisted pharmaceutical aid happily, and it was the best decision I ever made, and I will never turn back. I, I really think that the um, the medicine saved my life. The therapy kept it all, kept me together, right? And, and showed me the direction, but without the medication, I I wouldn't have physically been able to make it. Um, and I also discovered something that I like to shout from the rooftops, which is that there's this whole branch of psychiatry just for maternal mental health. Like most psychiatrists don't want to, touch a pregnant or breastfeeding or postpartum woman with a ten foot pole. And I mean, I don't know if it's just the area I live in, but I found people that were like, oh honey, yes, come, you know, come come here. I'll I'll get you right. They're not afraid of prescribing, um, you know, ha- happily aggressive in a good way with the medication. And it worked. And it was, you know, I still had my my journey of trying to figure out what medicine was the best, but it was just the best thing I ever could have done. So um, I actually also went to a support group. Um, I was super nervous at first, because that just sounds weird. (laughs) Um, But I really went to the group not thinking that I would um, get much out of it, right? Like I, I was hesitant, but I told my therapist I would. And she said, I really think you should, okay, fine. So I'll go. I left there lighter, like like bricks had been lifted from my chest. It was unbelievable. I mean, these are just peer support groups, right? It, this wasn't even run by a therapist or... And to have, just to sit there and say things that you think are terrible to say, <laughs> about how you don't like new, being a new mother <laughs> and have the person across from you go, yeah, I know, right? It was awful and I did the same thing and you're like, oh, <laughs> that is really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, <laughs> yeah. it's it such was a just, great feeling. It was incredible and so I have now all these years sort of touted um, how valuable peer support is. It's just unbelievable how much better it feels when people understand you and don't look at you like you have that you know just the worst mother ever um right so i actually have um after you know a couple years flash forward a couple years i started my own support group peer support group um with postpartum support international and it was great and i ran it for eight years um i have since stopped just recently um i actually feel like. The main reason I stopped is that I I feel like I'm less connected, right? My kid's 11, so um, it gets it it gets a little harder. And I I think that that's valuable. So being able to say, you know, oh, I I barely remember changing diapers at this point, so you know things like that. Um. So and I have I since went back and had another baby. I did not think that I would ever do that, Um, but you know, I was a whole different person. And I stayed medicated through the entire second pregnancy, happily, under the care of my um, maternal mental health professionals. And um, it was actually a, a very troubled pregnancy medically. I was on bed rest for 12 weeks. I was wow. pre- had preeclampsia and um, just oh, the worst. And she actually was born at 31 weeks. So she was 2.6 pounds, a little micro preemie, um, stayed in the NICU for 45 days. Wow. But I, I think I cried once. I didn't even have the baby blues. So it just reinforced the whole notion, right, that this is my first baby was completely healthy. I mean, she was the chubbiest, cutest little thing. And I was a wreck. And then the, the second time around, all the things that could have happened wrong. And I was, I was fine. I was not for one second. Did I regret, you know, my decision or question myself as a mother? So, um, how far apart are they in age? Three years. Oh, three years. About. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, and now my little preemie baby is eight <laughs> and just, Bouncing off the walls, she's great. So, yeah, that—that's that. my story. I'm sure I'm missing details, but
0: oh no, no, you know. And it's so funny that you said, you know, every time you tell the story a million times, and every time you tell it, it might sound a little different. Feels a little different for mm-hmm. sure. I know the further and further we get away from it, you know, being that my daughter is 11, so we had we had our first uh, children like right around the same. Time, yeah. and I feel the same way. You know, I was running groups too, and I was like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm in that space anymore mm-hmm. to be, um, I don't know, be a, to relatable. feel like a, relatable or that I really have much value to give. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like they needed somebody who was a little bit more closer to the situation, or mm-hmm. even kind of just knew where the where the science is now and what you know, and be caught up in all of those things. Um, and I had exited this realm for quite some time because of my own relapse in 2017. It became too much to even hear other people's stories or, Mm -hmm. you know, since the film, I had always gotten messages from people I don't know who want to pick up the phone and call me to talk about what, what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that was something that I had to stop for a while, but, you know, speaking of, you know, relapses, or just continuing to have those, I don't want to say issues, but, you know, things that pop up that aren't obviously related to pregnancy, because, you know, neither of us are are pregnant. Um, I can confirm,
1: yes. I can can confirm,
0: too. (laughs) I am not. Um, But that we still have um, things that go on that we need to, you know, dig back into our toolkit, and be like, oh, yep, this needs to come back out. And so I and you had given me permission to share this. It was so interesting that so we were supposed to do this podcast last week, a week ago, today, yeah, I think, last ago. Monday. And you had sent me a message, um, and I'll paraphrase it, um, you know, that you just were, you know, having a a, a tough time and, you know, on the verge of tears at any moment, and just kind of feeling like, you know sick to your stomach and just know it was anxiety and all those things. But what was so profound in that message was like, but I can do it if you need me to. If you need me, to, if I cannot reschedule, if you need me to do this, I will do it. And that just goes to this this whole notion that we 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 want to fight it, like we fight it. And we're willing to hide it, and we're we're willing just to do whatever it takes to make something happen and not let that get in the way and be a reason why I can't do something, yeah, you know, and of course, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, you know like no we'll, we'll reschedule it's okay and 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 you know I checked in on you every single day yes, since you then have. because I because you know I know how that is, and that you know we think you know we get better, and you know and since you know these Ailments happen during pregnancy or postpartum. We feel that if we're not pregnant and we're not really in that postpartum period of anything, that these things shouldn't be happening, especially if you're medicated and you're seeing a therapist. And, like, you know, like you should be fine and be able to handle stuff. And, you know, and you had just met, shared with me that you, you're not even really sure like what the trigger is. And it's so interesting because it's the world that we live in today. I feel yeah. like anything could really be a trigger just because of the whole COVID and pandemic and the cetera, isolation of that, I mean, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I mean, there's just so, so many, many things, things. <laughs> so many things. Yeah. Um, but if you would, wouldn't mind, just sure. share a little bit about what that was. Because uh, the feeling I got... From you was that it caught you a little off guard and that it wasn't that you your downs were a lot more down this time than maybe yeah. they had been before. So just talk to yeah, us about that. I
1: think that. well, so one thing I will say that's interesting is throughout that journey of sort of getting to a place where my medication was steady and I was kind of, you know, maybe graduating from therapy and, you know, moving moving into like maintenance mode, um, I I was able to look back at myself before pregnancy and the coping skills that I had implemented that I just had no idea were happening. Um, And and I could control it all so that it's that you throw that baby in the mix of like, you cannot control that thing, whether you like, no matter what. And, and that's when it, it kind of, the, puzzle fully came into view of like, oh, I've been like this my whole life. (laughs) It's just that I could control it before. Um and and I really I tell this to every mom I meet that's struggling, you have no idea how bad you feel until you start to feel better. And then I feel like post therapy medication me is so much it's such a better version of, of me than the you know 20 year olds that was just struggling um and didn't even know it so i i do now know um and um i've made peace with i have super high anxiety just by default i am ocd like to the point that i didn't know i didn't know enough about ocd before but um you know People will hear me say that i like, "Oh, do you wash your hands a lot or something?" They're like, no, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got O. I've got C. It's I have them both. Right. Um. But so that I think is has really been the strongest focus for me. And you know, I I have uh, medication that tackles a lot of the obsessive thoughts. And um, but sometimes they just get the best of me. And if I have the perfect storm, especially of you know, even when I can trace it back to one thing or another, um, it's usually more than this one thing happened. It, it's uh, the glass is so full already, right? So this one drop might have been what made it spill over, but it was getting full. Oh, and yeah. I can kind of, sometimes now, sense that uh, my glass is getting full. But um, but you know, sometimes it's just things you never even considered. Like we I think, honestly. I've reflected on a little bit since since last week it it has a lot to do with um, the world opening back up oddly. I really think that that is causing me some anxiety just uh, I, not because I'm not thrilled that this is you know going away hopefully or right. with the lights at the end of the tunnel but it just it's another when you have anxiety just it's another now unknown territory of what this new normal will be and you know, expectations. And it's, I was, I kind of had a rhythm here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Quarantine. Exactly. And, and you said it so well,
0: you know, our coping skills and all of those things you were talking about pre-pregnancy. And I feel like this whole reopening of our world is like having a new baby. Mm -hmm. It's like everything, every little thing is going to be different now. Everything. Yeah, um, travel, like just grocery shopping, socially, like every socially everything We're, was yeah. just so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you when you, and that's the thing. I don't think it's going to be like it was, and I and, and I find that to be very an uneasy feeling. Yeah. Wondering, well, what is it going to be mm-hmm. like? Um, and it's not even so much the COVID, the virus that's haunting me. I mean, it's scary, right. but it is more the socialization piece. I mean, I'm flying next month and there was just a news story about how the the percentage of like volatile flyers has gone up like people just getting angry on planes and stuff and i'm like really like like that's not what i want to hear right now like i don't need you know like i just i'm not worried about someone coughing on me i'm worried about someone having a freak attack on them yeah and then have to land somewhere because they're hostile
1: right (laughs) you know like Like that's not something that was on your radar before
0: it was not (laughs) something on my (laughs) radar before like it just really wasn't you know so yeah i mean those things can cause a lot of anxiety. And I, and I loved your, um, the way you had said, you know, the cup was really full and maybe it was just that one little drop that made it spill over, but it was getting really full. And I think we have to know when that's happening. And I think for people that have been through experiences like we have, we have a really good radar as to when, and, you know, I don't know about you, but the people around me also know Mm -hmm. before I see it sometimes Mm -hmm. that, you know, something's not right like you need to take a day to you know a mental health day or you know whatever it is
1: I think that was something also that um my husband and I learned together because afterwards you know kind of after I was starting on the path to recovery he told me that he was pretty upset with himself that he didn't notice that I was struggling and um I should have seen it and I honestly I think seeing the forest through the trees is really hard and mm-hmm. he he could like if the baby was crying. Like I wasn't making that up. So, you know, he said it just it just seemed like it made sense. Like it was just hard. And right, um, you know, he obviously didn't have the the advantage of knowing the thoughts that were in my head at the same time, thinking I'm gonna run away and <laughs> right. no one right. will miss me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think that he's now like even more attuned to like how'd you sleep? You okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. That kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. Oh, what a story.
0: And I'm so, I thank you so much for sharing your recent kind of, you know, yeah. thing that was happening, because I just think that's so important that, you know, women know that even when you go through all of this, and even if you're not diagnosed with something, you know, I have since been diagnosed with bipolar, you know, you have OCD and, you know, so, and high anxiety. I mean, these things can just happen. I mean, they just, but knowing what tools you need to use, whether it's getting a good night's sleep, maybe going for a walk, you know, like those Uh things are parts of our toolkit um, that can be really helpful when we start to feel like we're, you know, uneasy. But I also tell people, if you have symptoms like this that are lasting for more than two weeks, go see your healthcare provider because it's probably not just a bad day um probably (laughs) might be
1: probably something more than that um tell the moms that would come to the group who would often say like i don't really know if i belong here i don't know if i have postpartum depression i'm like it doesn't matter what you call it right it it, maybe you do maybe you don't doesn't matter why don't you just come in and talk to me about you know whatever you're feeling and that's right I, i still feel that way about most Mental health issues.
0: It's- absolutely, absolutely. You don't need to have a diagnosis to, you know, experience things that are troubling and that you need to tell somebody, mm-hmm. um, and especially hear other people tell them tell you their story, which might sound very similar. I mean, there's nothing better than having somebody say the things that you maybe couldn't say, and you're like, oh my gosh, yes. And you said that, you know, about just feeling like a terrible mother and then having a mom go, yeah, like I did not like my kid. <laughs> first like my kid. Still don't, and then I was, yeah, <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, I still don't like my kid, but you know. <laughs> That's something, that's a completely different topic. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I hear you. It's, it's such a such a powerful story. And I'm so glad you brought up support groups because that is something that I try to talk about a lot, that even if you you know feel like it's maybe not something that's going to be helpful to just try it. Yeah. Um, you know, and groups mostly now are virtual, so right. they're pretty much available any time of day. Right. Um, yeah, right you don't have much to lose. Just try Yeah, I mean, just try it. So, all right, Nadia. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nadia. I really appreciate your insight and hearing your story. Thank you.